Hello, um, welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. Um, we're still here. David is here, but yet not here. That's why you're not hearing him do the introduction. Um, but otherwise, hello, my name is Rob. My pronouns are he and him. My name is Alistair. My pronouns are he and him. I'm David. My pronouns are he and him. I'm Jamie. My pronouns are he and him. And today we're very happy to be joined by uh, Juliet Jakes. Juliet, how are you? Thank you so much for joining. Uh, I'm fine. Thanks for having me. We've had a very distressing start to this episode already. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, Rob a... introduced the guest in a way that like didn't let them do pronouns. Yeah, my pronouns are she and her. I did a whole like Guardian series about that man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can't expect my our pronouns listeners are to a matter read. of public record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who reads right. the Guardian though? Yeah, no one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you want to, you can you can still go to the to the Guardian and, and read it. Uh, Julia, do you like still get like residual money or something for it if more people end up clicking and reading it? Oh God, absolutely not! No. Um. <laughs> oh fuck them then. Fuck them then, yeah. Oh, fuck them. <laughs> Just the yeah, emotional satisfaction of having your work seen and understood out there in the world. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're having me back, so you know. Um, not after this podcast <laughs> I mean following in the footsteps of giants like Dawn Foster is uh, no no mean feat I don't think uh, yeah um, yeah no I mean you know look Catherine Viner we know you listen to every episode uh, get book Julia get her to do more stuff <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's More just... people should call Tom Watson a cunt in The Guardian, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and just generally, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll do the usual thing. We have some nuggets and then uh, sort of a main topic that I've been sort of thinking over whilst um, on my holiday communi- communing with the mountain and forest gods. And then uh, I have some comment of commentary at. So in a way, it's a traditional episode as well. We, we get all the greatest hits. Um, but I wanted to start with a great little piece that I read today in the Financial Times by uh, Mara Is about um, Keir Starmer doesn't believe children should have agency? Uh, no, it's all about <laughs> Keir Starmer. That was Mumsnet, wasn't it? Yeah, mum's net, the Financial Times. What's the difference? <laughs> Have I just come on this show to just cycle through a list of transphobic publications? Like, uh, we are talking no, about no. British media, so... I was going to say, that's, that's basically every week on this island, like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, this is specifically, uh, Jamie, I already sent you a little bit of this before the show started. Um, this is about... Uh, if the, uh, Bit, the Bitcoin string uh, Ethereum has moved a little while ago from the Bitcoin uh, string. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm losing my fucking. Yeah, mind. put your right. app on the block string. <laughs> 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 Ethereum right. is is distinct from Bitcoin. <laughs> yes, well, Ethereum has moved to a different way of computing who has what uh, values and who has what coins and what how transactions are. Recorded, which yeah. takes a lot less energy. Basically, that's the very simple yeah, thing of it. Um, they've gone this, from they've gone from proof of work to proof of stake, which basically yes. means you have to have put in a lot of money to say to be able to say 
this is a legitimate transaction rather than saying I've burned this many thousands of tons of CO2 or released this many thousands of tons of CO2 therefore this transaction is real <laughs> yes exactly it's a it's a far superior system that doesn't have any problems at all but it does have a, a, a sort of an interesting side point to it which is you used to burn through like a lot of graphics cards and like computing power to to do the the calculations as Alistair was talking about but now that that's no longer necessary at least for ethereum uh that means that like there's a ton of miners and investors out there with huge chunks of like useless graphics cards that they were using to do the computing power now some of the really big uh, ethereum miners used to think they can repurpose them now for like ai or cloud computing or gaming in oh. some manner I'm not <laughs> Why can't they just do something good with them? Like just give them away to people. Do you well, know what? It's, it's, a, it's a real. Card. It's a real shame because this would have been a great like starting point for like a left wing version of something akin to Gamergate, where rather than just uh, <laughs> eviscerating every woman who's decided to be in me- in uh, games related media, uh, we could do something like encouraging introspection from everyone who's ever decided to create a Bitcoin. <laughs> So that we can actually have graphics cards for normal people rather than freaks. Actually, about ethics and graphics cards. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just sort of I wanted to get into because this is the bit that I wanted to talk about. So, like, you have the huge institutional players who have like big money behind them but there's also like a, a a whole bunch of people who have like smaller rigs or had them for for use for creating more ethereum um so they're essentially much smaller and what are they going to do so i just want to read you a little bit from the article chris kyle director of marketing at a mutualized um bitcoin mining group crypto mining group is planning to Never use trust his anyone a- with two first names <laughs> just straight up never trust american sniper is what i was going to say um is uh, <laughs> is planning to use his 86 gpus to heat his vancouver home the units are roughly the side of the <laughs> The units are roughly the size of a computer keyboard and the graphic card temperature ranges are between 40 Celsius and 90 Celsius. He said, now that it's getting old, I'm going to turn them all back on. All the energy you put in just gets turned into heat. So it makes sense to just run my GPUs instead of turning the heating on. Oh my fucking God. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong with that? (laughs) Remember that when Bitcoin... Sounds like a real energy crisis. (laughs) <laughs> hey, remember when uh, Bitcoin mining first caught on and that one guy on like something awful gave himself brain damage from heat stroke yeah <laughs> oh, well, was that, before, was that uh, the same or a different guy than the one who decided to dry fruit on the most disgusting looking drying rack I've ever seen in my life I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I don't know but I'm going to say it's the same guy <laughs> were all of these guys low tax Kianka R.I.P. <laughs> Using the, the heat from his mining rig to bake like luxury cookies. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the crucial point spine. was that he wasn't baking them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like the idea of somebody looking at like a whole set of like GPUs and like graphic rigs and just like staring at and just going, hmm. Could also be a slow cooker. I just, I really yeah. like the idea of that. You know what I love to do? I love to look at something that takes 700 watts of energy and then converts into like 50 watts of heating energy. Yeah, it's very efficient. And also like en- energy prices and electricity prices, I'm assuming are not in any way related. So that won't be a problem there whatsoever. Yeah, no. I mean, 
you could put your heating on or you could put this on and the choice is easy because his heating doesn't like stream porn in 8k at the same time so <laughs> yeah because you really want to be able to see every follicle don't you <laughs> <laughs> Others are waiting for a pickup in prices. John Hartwick, a manufacturing engineer from Iowa, spends his evenings and weekends dusting and checking the wiring of his 600 GPUs. A lot. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of miners are holding on to their gear. I'm going to sit on it and wait for the next thing that comes along. Any day now, I'm sure. The next thing that comes along is going to be those 600 graphics cards collapsing on top of him and him just slowly starving to death in his house. <laughs> his house must look like a fucking Necron crypt. <laughs> in thousands of years, assume what, they have no idea why they're dusting these machines, but soon. <laughs> Yeah, they'll just, it'll be like the Adeptus Mechanicus, they'll just be applying the sacred oils to the GPU for like, for, for, for reasons even they don't understand anymore. But hey, look at look all the uh, dried fruit that they're getting. <laughs> What's this, Mangosteen? <laughs> Finally, the prophecy comes true. <laughs> the spineless star child is born. Um <laughs> Bring fucking low tax oh. back as one of the uh, those fucking robots. I can't remember what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of of bringing low tax back, uh, let us before before we do turn to like the main story and stuff as well, briefly talk about uh, the goings on. Something at our... awful if awfulification of Twitter.com. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we we're now uh, um, in the in the reign of Chief Twit um, Elon Musk, as he has Aww. so graciously styled himself. Yeah, love to spend forty five billion dollars fucking it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a price worth paying in order to kill that fucking website. Quite frankly. Oh, I mean, it's certainly yeah. a price I'm happy for him to pay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, it, there's been some some like some really incredible doings, and I think it's it's definitely part of that. He didn't want to buy it first. He tried to get out of buying it, and then they made him buy it at the in the end. Um, so now, like, he's just kind of winging it, or just thinking that like I, I've been a genius everywhere else. You know, um, citation needed, and therefore this will work out too. So the most wasn't amazing the, thing um, wasn't the price he paid for it, like a kind of in joke from somewhere. Where was it from? The forty-four billion. The, the number is an in-joke, right? Off, like, uh, 4chan it, or something. I think it was... Was this not the um, wanting the share price or something for, was it for oh, Tesla to yeah. be, like, 420 Inflated or something? Inflated it to $420, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was... The weed number. Hey. Yeah, but that was I mean, the thing the, that the got price, The share price for Twitter might, that he agreed to buy it at might also have been a meme. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this it's so fucking... It's fucking great, because it is... Yeah... Further confirmation, uh, uh, like first, first given to us by Twitter that like all the every celebrity and rich person that you know is actually a fucking moron. But it's also like doubly satisfying because this dude is doing like Reddit tier jokes from 2012 still in 2022. But like, did you see the fucking cringe joke he did when the day that he uh, officially became like CEO or owner or whatever? Oh, is this when he brought the sink? Yeah. The fucking sink. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. 
but it became even more incredible like i think today or yesterday as of as of recording so tuesday the first of uh november this is uh via casey newton he said he asked for all the coders employed by Twitter to print out the last 50 pages worth of code they'd written in the last month. So they'd had to show that to him personally because like he's, he calls himself like a bit of a code guy. So he just wanted to show that people were working hard by just printing out code. Didn't he then just like throw it all in the bin like a teacher who's just given you lines? Someone, no, no. Um, I think someone pointed out that like printing out the, the fucking proprietary code and just leaving it lying around was like a total fucking waste of time and effort. And so everyone had to shred it. I think it was also not not just a not just a total waste of time and effort, but also a huge security risk. <laughs> well it, it gets even better this is from uh, matt levine's newsletter money stuff which if you're not subscribing to you should it's good um in mid-afternoon the instruction changed again a notice went out to employees ordering to cease printing out their code comma for reasons that were not immediately clear update stop printing read another bolded notice obtained by platformer please be ready to show your recent code within 30 to 60 days on your computer if you have already printed please shred them in the bins provided on the 10th floor <laughs> which is just incredible it's fucking incredible <laughs> you might not like it but that's what peak efficiency looks like <laughs> well i mean peak my efficiency... uh, my favorite my favorite thing he's done so far is the word went round they were going to charge like 20 quid a month for for a blue tick getting a blue tick or keeping yeah. your blue tick as well oh well yeah but obviously once it was 20 quid you, you'd be able to pay for one and pretend you're the fbi or whatever but <laughs> they, they, everyone everyone was like 20 20 that's ridiculous and stephen king tweeted that 20 dollars was ridiculous and elon musk went well what about eight dollars and now it's eight dollars because like <laughs> fucking president deals is in the house do you think we can we can all we can all coordinate to argue him back up um. <laughs> no, look, we, we've been through we've been through this on this podcast before the way to site to save the fucking toilet website of twitter.com is to allow people to get to customize other people's bios for the princely sum of ten dollars yeah yeah that maybe even maybe change their avatar I'm, I'm still not decided on that one but yeah co copyright by the way very much copyright elon if you're listening to this you have to make a deal with us first yeah, maybe they could. And don't, use let, the same. And don't let Stephen King know because, like, we we want the we want the full twenty dollars this time. <laughs> maybe, maybe Twitter can use the same security software that the Tories used for their conference a few years ago, and you can just like <laughs> stick in a very obvious guess at somebody's email, then just go in and just like change all of their details. Like, yeah. <laughs> and given how many cutbacks Twitter are going to have to make, they'll probably end up doing that. So you know. I was just going to say they fired like a whole bunch of people already and the yeah. people who are making this like um, pay for a blue tick system, they've got a week or they get fired as well. So yeah. it, he's going to he's gonna be down like money saving to the point where they just get some absolute dipshits in because the, the criteria for getting a job at like Twitter as a coder isn't going to be are you any good at code? It's going to be <laughs> do, you, do you like post dank pepes? <laughs> Elon Musk's replies or something. So it's only well, a matter of time before the entire fucking site implodes. I'm so it's joke, basic, Jamie, but yeah. 
Go on, Julian. So it's basically like Dominic Cummings' plans for the Home Office, like finally yeah. coming to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> Civil service, even. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I was going to say, like the uh, at the at the <clears throat> his, look at the history of uh, the way Elon treats every employee, whether it's uh, at SpaceX or uh, Tesla. Like all the people, the only people that are going to be left um, after he's been at Twitter for any length of time are only going to be the the guys putting the pepes in his replies on Twitter, like the true believer types. Yeah. Because like he just goes from company to cut or like to business sector to business sector, just treating every employee like absolute hot shit, and then and then just being like nonplussed when they all quit. Again, yeah. you know, much like something awful. <laughs> just, just wait, wait until his like his big scheme for like retaining users on Twitter is to buy everyone a horse so they won't leave him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although the, the, apparently, one of the things that's being considered to to sort of increase the user base or at least keep users going is uh, he's been instructing Twitter engineers to see if they can resurrect Vine. The like the two th- that was killed off in 2016. I've never been on Vine. I have no idea what it is. But like, it, it's, Vine Vine I, was like Vine was. You could make ten second. I think it was ten second videos. It was it's TikTok, but shorter. It's, but it's, it's the yeah. yeah. It was it was it was the uh, basically Twitter for videos, right? You could make a video, but it had to be like ten seconds or less. And Twitter bought it because it was hugely popular. They bought it and all the people on it who were like making these videos that were getting like millions and millions of views, like went, well, shouldn't we be getting paid for some of this money, like some of this money that we're making you? And Twitter just went no and closed the whole fucking thing down. (laughs) I mean, that is an interesting... I think Elon Musk resurrecting it is definitely going to go well for Elon Musk. (laughs) Well, I mean, that is sort of an interesting point about Twitter in general that like if you get a lot of fans on like Instagram or something like Instagram will pay you out Facebook I think as well YouTube definitely does and it's like if you have like a kajillion followers on Twitter it's just like you know you are still the product that is pretty incredible that's been that's been one of the highlights of this week is seeing people with blue ticks going, well we're not paying for a blue tick we should be paid for the content we provide and it's like fuck off (laughs) (laughs) like for my fucking queue yeah (laughs) Do you, do you have any idea how many how many accounts Jamie's been through? <laughs> yeah, I should be getting I should be getting a check for testing their fucking systems, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Juliet, if they paid you, would you come like make a triumphant return back to back to your account, or are you, would you still run far far and fast away? How much would, um, would Elon need to pay you to like convert to posting? Um, I think if he took away all the blue ticks on the site, I'd come back for free. <laughs> oh, that would that would be a fucking incredible day on Twitter. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Do, do oh, you remember the day they made it so that blue ticks couldn't post? Yes. <laughs> yes. It was so good. <laughs> so, sorry, Nate Bethay and Hussein Svani, like <laughs> all the other shitters are gone now. Tristan Cross, sorry, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you, you know, know what, every every good every good thing has a little bit of collateral damage. We yeah, just yeah. have to live with that. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to make an omelette, etc., etc. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's like they always say, you can't make an omelette without a little bit of collateral damage. <laughs> Spoken like a true U.S. Secretary of Defense. <laughs> Uh, anyway, briefly returning to, to, to the real world before the main story, um, something that we've been talking about on and off for 
God knows how many episodes now, but I'm pleased to report that um, Bulb Energy is no longer in the fine oh, hands of the state. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Rob. <laughs> well, I mean, it only cost the state about like four billion uh, pounds, which, by the way, is the biggest bailout since RBS in 2008. Um, and uh, yeah, You could have had, had like 9% of Twitter for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like 1.5 uh, million customers are now being shunted on from uh, the failed uh, bulb are now being shunted formally to uh, Octopus. Uh, but don't worry about it. Like it's it's not going to impact the state too much uh, because you will all be paying for it. About 150 pounds per household uh, bill will be added due to the rules that allows the energy t- sector to like literally shove bailouts onto the shoulders of existing customers across the sector, which is fucking incredible. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, it's look, hey, uh, energy, gas—it's really cheap anyway this winter. So, what's 150 among friends, right? Like, we we can all we can all just just go along to get along. I think. Yeah. See the thing, Brit, where British Gas is supposedly going to start giving people a hundred quid a month if they run their washing machine in the middle of the night. What? Like instead no, of doing it during the day, it'll help. It'll help prevent blackouts if you do like if you just live at night. I can do that. You just become become a Dracula, and I'm yeah, just like yeah. I'm. I'm sat here going like I've trained my entire life for this. This is my hundred quid. <laughs> Jay, Jamie's going to be raking it in at this rate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you know, this... they're going to be telling people to go goblin mode, and then Jamie's going to be like, oh, once again. <laughs> yeah. I'll be I'll be hosting the next series of The Apprentice. <laughs> I would pay so much money for that season. You have no idea. That'd be so fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if Catherine Viner's listening, I'm sure the director general of the BBC is also tuning in. Give us The Apprentice. <laughs> like nobody likes Alan Sugar anymore. Yeah. Put you, him out new catchphrase. New catchphrase. Instead of "You're fired," it's "I don't give a fuck." Do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> now get out of my office. Yeah. I think just get out of my office is a good catchphrase. <laughs> my, catchphrase my new catchphrase is the sound of Wii Sports being played behind the desk. <laughs> It'll essentially be just like the five of us sitting in office batting around a big ball of string like a bunch of cats while the awesome prick in a tie tries to persuade us as a business genius. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll be fucked the day someone decides to bring in a fucking key ring. <laughs> bunch, bunch of yuppies just like setting each other on fire out in the lobby. <laughs> sort of self-immolating, like the guys from the Prague Spring. <laughs> I like the idea that every season it's just the same winner. It's whoever's smart enough to just like bring a laser pen in so the five was just <laughs> <laughs> a desk chair but the, the supporting column is also a scratching post <laughs> uh, anyway BBC call us if you need new ideas hey they cancelled Mock the Week anyway there's like there's also a comedy slot coming up so you know well, they've cancelled- yeah, so give us an hour slot a week you cowards they've also cancelled <laughs> Spitting Image guys how are we going to cope um- oh shit very, yeah. very well actually <laughs> 
Yeah, my puppets have been sleeping soundly ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so did did uh, did Dara Brian just pass his sell by date or something? Like why they cancelled Mot the Week? He's taken up full time sponsorship by the uh, Mega Bus Company. <laughs> <laughs> He's got greyhounds to nurture tenderly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is on this season of Taskmaster, so that might, like, he might have just preferred to do that rather than another series of Mock the Week, which, I mean, you know. to be fair, being on Taskmaster is better than the entirety of Mock the Week. Yes. Mm. <laughs> listener, listener, if you're, if you're uh, seeing the tweet for this episode on Twitter, uh, can you please at Dara Brian in the comments? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> everyone, uh, everyone added my Corbin and comedy article for Red Pepper at Dara O'Brien. He got very upset. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> he, was he, a, uh... he was practically asking for my address. <laughs> <laughs> Should give to be fed. Yeah. Is that, <laughs> is, fed, that, that, is, that is, is that the is that the, the the level when he powers up beyond? Ah, is this not getting a bit boring now? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Dara Breen is like the fucking Beetlejuice of Twitter. If you at him three times, yeah. like, he'll just appear in your mentions. Uh, that's that's anyway. his entire playbook. He's got reverse psychology, and then coming to your house to hug you. <laughs> <laughs> once, once again, we come full circle back to low tax Gianca. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be one hell of an insider at episode. Least, if you at least low tax euthanized himself. Rest in peace. <laughs> You do, in fact, have to hand it to him. <laughs> it's Juliet's fault we've been set off down this path today. Yeah, and I, I never even posted on something awful. I think I'm the only person here who never used it. <laughs> well, got more sense than the rest of us, quite clearly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, she's off Twitter, so yeah, I think that's yeah. pretty apparent. If you're, if you're off Twitter and you were never on something awful, where do you go to get mad at video games? <laughs> YouTube, YouTube comment sections, obviously. Old... Old issues of Zap sixty four. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping going, going through the letters page of Amiga Power with a sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> Calling Stuart N. Hardy a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Pursuing a vendetta against Charlie Brooker way past its fucking deadline. <laughs> Well, you know, like um, Stuart Campbell, who wrote a lot for Amiga Power, is now the Wings Over Scotland guy, right? Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I spent most of my teenage years on Sensible World of Soccer that he worked on and, you know, never have a hero. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I can, rem- can remember his interwar period between, like, the, the fall of Amiga Power and the rise of, like, his mad Wings Over Scotland shit, where... <laughs> He was waging a one-man crusade against a guy who copied a sensible software train-spotting game in BASIC. (laughs) I really hope that you were going to... Someone note down that use of interwar period. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The lost generation of games journalism. While you were like hanging out in Paris with Picasso, I. 
cutting off my entire head. (laughs) (laughs) All right, this is this is going. Swimmingly. I'm trying to pitch into the main topic, but there's no fucking bridge out of this. <laughs> it, feel, it feels like someone's brought a dog onto the podcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't slept. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, all right. Shall we, shall we try to bridge into the main topic, or do you want to just keep yeah, let's go. Like, honestly, we can, we can do, uh, we can no, do that let's, as well. No, let's, let's get into the main topic, because I've seen how much fucking notes you've done. It's, it's all right. It's like a harmless... This is positively restrained. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if, if this, this is too much already for you, then, you know, why don't you come back next week, coward? Um... <laughs> <laughs> come back next week and meet me in the Tesco p- car park, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> Who is standing outside my house screaming podcast now? Wow. And with that, I've officially killed the comedy. All right. That's, that's great. Uh... <laughs> This, I don't you're like Matt. Right. You're like the Matt Ford of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very harsh. Yeah. Very sorry. Harsh. That is. Uh, that is brutal. Sorry, Underpaid bro. in that. Like <laughs> you've, you know, you've absolutely fucking done him there. Yeah. yeah. Rob, that Rob handled the podcast. That was a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to hand over my podcasting badge and gun. It's true. Like, I, uh... <laughs> and your puppets of the entire podcasting as Praxis crew. <laughs> and i I take them with me on holiday and then you know (laughs) my fiance tends to dump me when i'm like and then what does jamie say (laughs) i would pay money to hear you trying to do my accent on spitting image quite frankly (laughs) you'd manage better than matt ford would do so yeah i think i would manage to be less offensive though i think i can give myself that like maybe more offensive by accident but not by design I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't so much that. It was, I mean, the the uh, Jess Phillips bit was obviously like gross. Well, like it was just. It wasn't. It was just gross in terms of pure art, if you ask me. Just yeah. all I remember of that fucking show is all is is the five of us watching no, literally don't, five minutes. Don't of say it. five. Don't say five of us because someone someone had sense. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've not really watched much of it either. No, we tried to watch it for the podcast to see if it was any like if it was worth doing, and I think we all yeah we after watched, five we minutes the first it was episode. Too shit. Yeah, we watched the first episode and just realised how fucking woeful it was to the point of there is no comedy to extract from this. <laughs> Ironically, yeah, yes. not me though. I, I think I was playing City of Heroes or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, let's just cut it to the main topic, because otherwise I'm going to try to keep doing comedy. And Christ, we've just seen where that leads. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> we should, you know, if you'd have just been pod dad in the first place, none of this would have happened, David. Um, if you'd never gone out to get those cigarettes, we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, essentially. So um, I was doing a little bit of Twitter with Juliet uh, last week, and then I was—I'd been thinking about this stuff like for a little bit longer whilst I was away on one of my many holidays. And essentially, I th- think so. This is sort of like a broad generalized theory of which I may be completely wrong because I normally am when I try to do this stuff. So forgive me uh, up front. Um, but I do think that like if you look at 
the UK at the moment and like some broader trends. Like we are at the end of, of an era. Uh, I think it's for me, it's mainly related to free money. Um, but I'm very interested in sort of what has gone on in the last couple of years and like essentially what comes next. Um, and it certainly in terms of British politics was next. The first step seems to be we don't need that silly democracy anymore. It's time for the, the grown-ups to be, to be in charge. Um, yeah, the next step is a lot like that bit where the, uh, the guy in Chernobyl has to look into the reactor core. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I thought today we'd look a we this is not a bad a bad way of going about it actually today we should spend some some time and also why uh, among other reasons why uh, Juliet is here to to sort of gather, gather around the bonfire and, and stare into the reactor core uh, together for me I think it starts like I said with the the, the end of, of of free money of essentially the central banks just underwriting whatever it is we want and and money being essentially free which has uh, already or is it the process of killing off like stuff like crypto and NFTs? We've talked about that in, in other episodes. And I think a lot of others that sort of float on that same pool of infinite money. Let's see if this bet pays off, like grocery delivery apps, like stuff like Getter and stuff is dying. Food delivery apps are also in huge fucking trouble. Uber is in trouble. Um, those little electric scooter companies, they're all in fucking trouble. Um, and I think seemingly what seems to be related to me but i'm not 100 percent sure of it yet is like um i don't know if you who's been paying attention i'm assuming i'm the only neurotic one who does but like last week uh the valuation of like the big tech companies was like they nearly a trillion us dollar was wiped off their value um good google yeah <laughs> i mean i'm not saying I, it's just... I actually i actually did keep up with that and it was very funny Yes. <laughs> I mean, like we we've had what like just over a decade's worth of governments being able to essentially do whatever. Like they could they could spend as much money as they wanted and essentially have negative interest rates for large portions of that. And what have we got to show for it? Fucking Meta and yes. VR, <laughs> Second Life or Third Life because it's in the third dimension. You see, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's what we've got. Yeah, legs. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> legs are coming. And the best, the best part about that was they had to fake the legs for that video. They didn't have the yeah. technology. Artist rendition. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we imagined legs might look like. Yeah, dramatization just written across the bottom of the video. May not have happened. <laughs> Someone's finally gotten around to explaining that the lower half of human anatomy to Mark Zuckerberg. Oh. <laughs> just getting in the, the, the special effects guys behind walking with dinosaurs and asking them to do trainers. <laughs> drawing, drawing the Vitruvian man as adult, like waking up from the Matrix. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that is a nice example because like uh, we talked about, it, I think, two or three weeks ago, like Meta has been hemorrhaging cash on this, on the Infinity Worlds thing, on the Metaverse. Uh, it's almost 10 billion a quarter now. And uh, in the last like corporate statements, Mark Zuckerberg has said, no, we're doubling down on this. We are giving even more money to him, to, 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 yeah. to this weird project, which is incredible. Um, and Elon Musk, Elon Musk saw that fiasco and went, me too. <laughs> Elon Musk would rather people didn't go me too I reckon 
Uh, but yeah, like it's the stuff like Netflix that they're saying, oh, well, we're going to bring in ads because obviously there's no no more infinity money to buy, you know, another stupid show. And even that was the interesting thing to me because I think that's where we get into like the more real economy thing of it. Um, even Amazon uh, is projecting either a slow or like they they have no idea what their revenue is going to be next quarter anymore because of like the rise in everything prices essentially. So they say our profits could be between zero and five billion for the next quarter but it could be zero um because from the financial times uh consumers have burnt through their savings according to the chief executive of a big e-commerce management platform and i think that's very i'm I'm always always burning through my savings (laughs) famous for it but i do i mean i I do think that that's like a really important part of this is like we had a decade's worth of free money and all we got for it was like fake legs but like nobody's been able to like build or rebuild any savings or get like a decent job out of it we've just like gotten really shit treats that were incredibly expensive and could have been provided a lot cheaper that's because it's been free money for me but not for thee like it's never made its way out of Mm -hmm. big fucking venture capital funds and banks and shit like that I'm not entirely sure because I do think that like in, in the direct sense, you're, you're right. But like in the indirect sense of like, where does the money then flow into and how does it go about it? To, to me, like in my thinking, I think that that, that free money was probably, it's certainly in terms of the UK, like the only artificial sticking plaster left uh, in, in like the sort of cracks in the foundation of the UK uh, that were already present, but I've just like gotten bigger in terms of like the long-term fuck-ups like covid uh brexit as well like i'm i'm not i don't want to be Romanian, but like there are like growing slowly growing but bigger and bigger problems in terms of like the uk as a uk plc the the business side of, of the country um and like i think a lot of that was sort of already building and like getting worse inside the uk economy but i think the free money was sort of like papering over the cracks, at least as far as consumers were concerned, mm. like in terms of what it's you probably, were seeing. It's probably not the best idea that we've ever had where we have said to the Bank of England, if things ever get fucked up, you're only allowed to do one thing, and that's fuck with the interest rates. Now, whatever you do, do not fuck with the interest rates, <laughs> and nothing bad will come of this, as we base the entirety of the economy after the uh, 2008 crash around interest rates being like 1%. Well, I mean, in that sense, it is super interesting that, like, especially in the last year, maybe the last two years, like now that this stuff is matters again, and we we have to talk about central banking, much like this this podcast. It's like um, uh, these meetings now, like the rate setting meetings every quarter, or I think they do. Yeah, they're every quarter now. Uh, like they're sort of. It's like we're, we're all waiting for like the high priests to come out in their robes and just say like you know g- give their 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 official sanction or like just to come out and say this your world is doomed essentially like we've made these people more i think they matter more to most people's daily lives than a lot of shit that's done in westminster now in terms of the material impact that it has like well, it's I mean, incredible as a big part of that is um you know government in this country loves just giving away all of the power it's ever ha- ever held um uh, like binding its own hands in stupid ways like saying that the eu is responsible for why we can't you know shoot every migrant who comes over here and so on and so forth 
So it's just another in a long line of um, self-flagellation that goes back goes back to before two thousand and eight. To be fair, sure, sure, yeah. But it is like you you look at a system that's like like this now, right? Because it, case in point, like the the NHS is already like straight. It's not news, but like lots of hospitals are already at like code black or something even before the winter cr- the tradi- it's weird to have a traditional winter crisis now in the nhs but you know it it, it this is it's sort of where we are um it it, ke- it starts popping up around the same time as uh, as war christmas and like we can't even do like the basic stuff anymore so there was a bit in the guardian yesterday uh that like the previous government so like I don't know, last week or whenever it was, um, under, under trust promised like 500 million in emergency cash to get people like out of hospital beds and into care. So like these are people who are, they don't need medical care anymore. They just like need to refi- like do refi- recuperate. Yeah, they need to recuperate or they need to be put into like a care home for an old people home, some variety, but there's no beds there either. So they're like blocking 10% of all the beds so, like, I think in case of point, like, again, we had, like, a decade of free money, and, and this is what we didn't do with it. Like, we didn't, you know, we didn't invest. Um, also, we didn't hire yeah, anybody. Because we believe because we fundamentally believe that the state shouldn't do things unless doing things is bombing countries thousands of miles away and demonizing people in this country. Like, that's that's all the, that's all the government is for. It's not for making things better for anyone, except for a very small segment of society. So, no, you cannot have any more hospital beds, and no, you cannot have any more care homes and care workers or anything like that, because that might make things more tolerable here. Yeah, it's a hospital, not a hotel. <laughs> I mean, like, we we were talking a little bit as well, because I do think that, like, the government, in terms of what it still assigns itself as a role to do, is just, like, to get increasingly vicious and insane in all facets of the culture wars, like... To just be be more that essentially, because that's the only role they seem to still have a lot of themselves, which is like an incredibly worrying sign to me. I mean, yeah. ultimately, culture culture war is cheap. Yeah, and the papers are getting annoyed now because the government is taking too much of their culture war and making it too explicit. I mean, I'm you know I'm interested in this very obvious attempt to sort of oust Suella Braverman in the way that they're very obvious attempts to oust Matt Hancock or Boris Johnson or Liz Truss. Um, and it does seem that it's, it's you know, it's Suella Braverman not respecting the division of labour between the press and the government, right? Which is like the press is the outrider for this stuff and the government kind of reluctantly puts it through. Um, and Suella Braverman, I think, is just making the whole kind of gig too obvious. I yeah. mean, it does make a lot of sense for uh, the government to be in a situation where there's a petulant second child saying that the, the bigger brothers had too long on the PlayStation. well i mean in her case what i find incredibly interesting is like the the thing that the papers are going after her for is not you know the incredible barbaric scenes of us having once again and this is not new this is like a decades old thing you know i was reminded of the existence of david blunkett today as well Mm. um but like condolences it it, it, it's like the operation of of concentration camps isn't really the problem the real problem is that she used the wrong phone but this is all they ever do look at fucking johnson like the entire attempt to oust him was he ate some cake Ah, not he killed thousands of people like fuck it Let's all just take a quick reminder of uh, what Labour are actually saying at the moment about mm. Suella Braveman's agenda. Oh, what's this? She's not deporting enough people. 
Hmm. Whoops. She's not doing it. She's not doing it cheaply enough. The yeah. Labour Labour government under Keir Starmer, because they are a government in waiting, would bring in like ridiculous savings. Yeah, we would use EasyJet to Rwanda rather than British yeah. Airways. Speedy porting for Rwanda deportees. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking hell. Don't lay that well, into existence. Oh, yeah. That's the bleakest <laughs> fucking thing I've heard in a while. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's like to, to, to briefly go back to like the, the material side of things, like what well, I do think this, this is different. If you're looking like if you divide eras and I do think there's a case to be made to say that like, there was a pre and a post 2008, it's certainly last like decades. Um, and unlike the end of that era, like 2007, 2008, I think most households, at least this is borne out by the numbers as well, are just like significantly poorer and like massively more in debt. Again, because living standards haven't been rising and people's wages haven't been rising, but consumption needs to keep occurring. So how do you square that circle? And it's like, well, you just give people more debt and the debt is incredibly cheap. So people have like a shit ton of credit card debt. Uh, Car loans are super interesting. Might do an episode on that one in the future. Um, And it was a really uh, good piece in the Financial Times by Sarah O'Connor that like, essentially there has been no wage growth in the uk since the 2010s like everything's just been like flat essentially which now you're getting into situations where like this was in the us so it doesn't the comparison doesn't quite go but i think it does in a lot of ways still is that like 51 percent of users of like klarna like microloan uh uh, payments like uh, uh quick repayment things uh buy now pay later services that 51% 51% of their users said, I use these services to make necessary purchases. So shit like food, not like I'll, I'll, I'll buy a dress and a nice pair of shoes. It's like, I, I use this to, 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 to buy food. So like yeah, we've yeah. now papered over, like we've now worked debt into like, I'm assuming rent as well and food and, and, and uh, you know, I wonder how long it's going to be until like British gas has like a Klarna button uh, this winter. I, that's like I think, I think that that's not unrealistic at this point. I mean, whenever whenever I think about this particular like the 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 thread of the average average person in British British society and how things for the average person like like, not, like I'm not even talking about the people who are the very worst off. Like the average person has gotten worse and worse and worse over time, mm-hmm. and I am I really am morbidly curious at what point something drastic happens because there is going to come a point and it, it, if nothing nothing is fixed and it doesn't look like anything will be in terms of the average person uh what is what is the point what is that point how far do we have to go before something snaps so in, in my little i mean it's totally anecdotal and stuff but my little window into like the average person or whatever the it's kind of it's a boiled frog kind of thing that's happening mm. like they've been told that the the energy bills are going to be so fucking bad and it's all going to fall apart and everything's fucked and then they've been paying a bit extra and it turns out that the little bit extra they've been paying ends up sitting as a nice big fucking wad of credit in their account because it's not taking that much because they can't afford it at the moment a year hence let's see what happens but at the moment they can't actually afford it and they're looking at it and going do you know what this isn't actually too bad maybe it's all been a bit over egged and and that's the way it's it's just gonna go. It's gonna be that kind of well, 
I was told last time it wouldn't be so bad, so why would it be bad this time? And eventually it just turns into fucking background noise. And they keep doing this. Like it's, it's the same play. It was the same play done with COVID as well, where, you know, oh, well, actually, yeah, the cases are really, really bad. Um, Everything's fucked. And then it was like, oh, actually, things aren't too bad. And the, um, that's fine. So just, it's fine. Just don't worry about it. It's cool. The, the tourists get saved from a winter energy crisis by uh, incipient global warming. <laughs> yeah. you know i was i was i was in like i was up north uh last week like i was in like burnley and it was like 20 22 degrees in burnley at the end of october which is insane it's um yeah. yeah and i think i think to a to a man on this podcast we hate the heat so yeah I, I it's my enemy um i just yearn <laughs> to destroy the sun um. in, in all its forms <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like... The, as on the... earth, as in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, uh, the forecast, the law grace forecast, whether, uh, whether or not they're accurate or not, or statistic, uh, as in the case of last week's uh, article, uh, read, um, <laughs> yeah. was... Um, like whether or not they're fully accurate or not like if there's if there's like a real frost or a hard winter like uh there was an interview with the head of the national grid uh that said that they were under no illusion that like up to a quarter of all homes could experience what they called dire fuel poverty um which i i genuinely think is like the point where people can no longer afford to heat their homes or like eat warm meals and stuff i mean we're, mm. we're already weirdly like we've made food banks already like a, a normal part of society and now we're going to add warm banks to it it just yeah i don't know like it it's that, that's, that's another fun. example of the that's another example of the whole boiled frog but it's just like food banks are just normal so when people start saying oh i might need to you know go to the food bank whatever people will be like all right okay well, i suppose that makes sense and it's just a sensible thing to do at that point it's not like a, that's fucking tragic it's just a it's a natural part of society well one of the most heartbreaking one of the most heartbreaking things i read in the aftermath of the 2019 election and i you know read a lot of heartbreaking things was was you know some some people have been out canvassing and asked someone if they'd vote labor and they said no like jeremy corbyn wants to take my food bank away um and yeah, Jesus, people are just so Jesus. sort of scared of losing these things that they they shouldn't have to rely on, but but they do. Um, and it just shows you how sort of powerful, yeah, this like machine of manufacturing consent is. Uh, and I guess we'll come back to that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the um, so I think there has been, if you look back over like the last decade or so, like there have been attempts to answer some of these really like deep-seated systemic problems but they've only they've never been able to do anything like sensible or good because they were all based on like flawed logic austerity being the most obvious example of it but i think you know in terms of uh, brexit i think was partly a, a, a policy response or like a, a system response to like these problems building up leveling up was also a very clear one but like that's that was sort of a weird reverse of austerity also really shitly done and mainly giving money to councils instead of taking it away but the wrong way i think i was also it was also a crude weapon against uh corbyn up in the yeah. lead up to 20 sure. and it's, it's, an, it's just another one of those it's another one of those things where like oh we're just going to report what the tories say rather than what they do so mm. yeah that's yeah sure i mean whether or not like leveling up would have 
had Boris remained in place, had that not been Corona, you know, if you built sort of a, a what-if fantasy, I don't think the leveling up agenda, even properly funded, would have done much because it kept funneling money through like the same old systems that broke the thing in the first place. Like giving more money to your local councillor is just a way to get more luxury flats in your area. It's not a way to like get your library back. You know, like it doesn't, Britain yeah. is not geared geared for that essentially. And in, in, in I do think in its own way like its own weird way the the 44 was it days of the trust experiment because i can't hardly call it like being her being a prime minister was was another weird sort of attempt to sort of reverse some of these things or like at least like get something new going recognizing that what we have now is intolerable to a lot of people because it is interesting yeah. that like even the tories have acknowledged that the current system is untenable uh which is just really weird um and seeing how that like failed incredibly spe spectacularly we're now seeing yet another response forming i think and as a side note like all the responses to these systemic crises is needed faster than the previous one like we had a nice run between austerity and brexit but between brexit and leveling up it was shorter between leveling up and trust it was shorter now like we are the return back to what we're doing now sort of the, the 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 sort of throwing the mask off and really saying well we're just going to manage this sham democracy thing is like happening even faster so you know much like the rate of crises goes faster and faster on the capitalism i think the rate of crisis response by new governments is also going to go faster and faster which is i don't think a good sign either it like you know um it it, it strikes me that like increasingly politics and economics as well are like building the bridge while they're trying to cross it but also setting the bridge on fire behind them and hoping that the whole thing sort of keeps going up through essentially increasing applications of, of magic um it doesn't strike me as a, as a as a very sustainable way to run a ship but you know that's kind of what i'm what i'm trying to get at in, in basics and and like the thing that uh juliet you and i were, were talking about is in terms of the the, the politics side of it the basic thing now from the Westminster bubble or the establishment or because it is both parties for sure, like is to just insulate politics from voters as much and as far as humanly possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I've been thinking a lot lately about, uh, you know, after the um, end of the Corbyn period, I was quite involved with the Rebecca Long Bailey campaign. And, okay. you know, at the time, I thought this probably isn't worth doing. We're not going to win. But having looked at the, you know, the reaction to, to Liz Truss, um, I find it quite interesting to think of a sort of counter history where we managed to persuade people that, you know, Starmer's promises uh, uh, are probably not going to hold true, shall we say. Uh, and we somehow managed to get Rebecca Long-Bailey elected how long do we think she would have stayed like leader of the Labour Party before she basically just got like shit house out of the post by, you know, exactly the same sort of like constant like lying and wrecking campaigns that ultimately did for Corbyn? Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I said, like the, the the whole I agree with you, Juliet, that like anything that happened post Corbyn that was in the same vein would have ended up with the same problem unless they did and were, were capable of doing the Stalinism that everybody was accusing them of anyway. Um, 
and in that sense, I do find it interesting. I mean, I don't want to dwell too much about like the ten pledges and like the hypocrisy of of, of Starmer because like that's kind of you know it's yeah, shit. It's table like, stakes. We, yeah, yeah, it's table stakes to buy now. But like, um, what I found really remarkable, especially in the uh, now now with Rishi Rishi Sunak um coming in which was also endorsed by the labor party or like large quarters of the media certainly it was like oh the grown-ups are back in charge and and this is good now and and the thing that came along with that which was even more endorsed also by the labor party was like see this is when talking about trust see this is what happens when you let the membership decide because they kept drawing those parallels between corbyn and trust saying you Mm. you know we shouldn't have democracy or like not party democracy at least you know yeah because like these and and traditionally what you're told is, look, if you don't like the political circumstances under which you live, you don't riot, you don't use any kind of violence, you, you know, put together a political party or you pick the person you want to lead a political party to represent you and you get involved with that movement in the sort of, you know, the terms that it's offered to you. And, yeah. you know, with, with Corbyn, we've had a very dispiriting case study of what will be done to you by the media political complex if you try and do that. Yeah. And then the possibility yeah, of yeah. it gets just taken away entirely. You know, the PLP, um, the Labour Parliamentary Labour Party, um, basically have a veto now on who can be put forward for um, for election of party leader, which, I mean, they always have, but now the threshold is, is far higher and far more difficult to clear. Um, and we're also seeing, uh, you know, for example, like Nadia Whittam, um, did she have the whip taken away or was she just disciplined for basically saying? I think it was only she had to delete the tweet, but didn't have to formally apologize, which is yeah. a very light touch from. Uh, yeah, they were they were talking Red about yeah. they were talking about removing the whip, though, weren't they? But but yeah, yeah. very, you know, heavy handed punishment for Nadia Whittam saying, look, you know, Rishi Sunak isn't necessarily a victory for like British Asian representation, because as a, you know, someone who's worth such an astronomical amount of money he's not representative of the you know community in general um so you see the sort of direction of travel there like emma dent code being not allowed to stand uh in um kensington again over i can't even remember what the pretext was or something absolutely trivial um piece in the it guardian was, i think liking a post by yeah. caroline lucas or something no, it, was, it, was that, that it was nicola sturgeon wasn't it Nicola oh, Sturgeon had done a tweet where she said she what she didn't have COVID. Oh, exactly. liking that liking that tweet was providing like fucking tangible support to an enemy faction um, or some bullshit. Yeah, and I mean there was a, a piece in the Guardian today, and you know the Guardian are allowing this criticism to be aired. That's yeah, that's interesting because they don't often. Uh, but a guy called Morris McLeod who'd stood to be um, stood for selection somewhere yeah. and had been. Yeah kept off the ballot on um i think it was it was somewhere in south london um uh replacing harriet harbin i forget which constituency it might be like camberwell and peckham uh but basically you know not just the the top of the party stitching up the leadership elections but the um the mp selections also being like stitched up so that you can't hope that your mps will represent you by nominating a left candidate uh and in a sense it was ever thus um you know, obviously famously like the Labour, like Falkirk Review in 2014, um, changed the, the the electoral rules to one member, one vote, precisely because they thought they had the membership in the bag. They thought they had consensus for their politics. And then when, you know, Corbyn came along, provided a pretty big illustration that actually nobody wanted or liked their politics. 
um, <laughs> you know, in the classic sense of like a regime that liberalizes and then, you know, realizes that that's going to be its own downfall. They're like, oh shit, backtrack, wait, change it back, change it back. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There was a there was there was in this context there was a remarkable piece I'm sure nobody read it but me because you know I'm me um, there was a piece in the Times this week by William Hague of all people noted election <laughs> winner um, fourteen yeah. pints a day William Hague yeah um. <laughs> um, and he his argument was I mean he was mainly talking about that it was actually good the way that Sunak got into office uh, because. Um, if his argument was if you leave the politics to the Tory membership, that would be bad because we've just had trust. And um, I was reminded also because he wrote it in the article, which is incredibly funny in its own way, that the Tory plan in 97 under his leadership was to have uh, a million members by now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but instead, like they have too, many, too few members and those that are still in the club are too driven by social media slash their phones and are demanding the unrealistic. So in case of trust, <sighs> it was like libertarian nomics. But like you could draw the parallel with with you know the establishment voice yeah. saying about Corbyn. Tories, people people just be having too many opinions. Yeah, Tories yeah. always and, be on their phones. Yeah, they don't they don't <laughs> listen. They don't listen when yeah, their betters tell them how to think. That's the problem with old people these days. They're just, you know, always on their phones. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me quote you a little bit, because, like, again, you could you could apply pretty much this to, to the current Labour Party as well. Many activists will not like the idea of losing their vote. Ultimately, however, they subscribe to a party because they wanted to succeed and be part of a healthy democracy. That now requires no, the choice of don't. the... Oh, my God. I want to that... be on the red team. <laughs> that now requires returning the choice of party leader to the MPs. So you're just supposed to be a member of the party because you love democracy and you want your red or blue team to succeed. You don't want to actually have anything like actively to do with it. And furthermore, you shouldn't have anything. It's that these uh, fuckers look, they look across the Atlantic, they see the complete fucking grift it is to be a grandee in a big party where there's a choice of two of the cunts and they think, oh, that'd be so good if I could have that much fucking money. That's all that is. The electoral system here doesn't even work like that, but they think it would be fucking great if it did. I mean, in the the Americans, it's even weirder because, like, you have the... But, like, in America, you would at least have, like, primaries. Yeah, open primaries. It's just, like, it was only... I fucking... I swear, like, a perpetual news cycle of... Uh, trying to get open selections is like tantamount to trying to get Stalin himself to stand for the party. Um, <laughs> yeah. While Corbyn was leader, it's just fucking ludicrous. Like, it is. It is. It is funny the ways in which America is, is intensely undemocratic, but also bizarrely much more democratic than, especially the Labour Party. I mean, the Conservative Party was like arguably before we had this like literal demonstration of what democracy actually meant to uh, you know to members in the in the Tory party like the Tory party being more uh democratic because the members actually get to fucking vote directly <laughs> so fucking funny yeah. to me but like there is democracy well, I mean, in the west it has just been partitioned out and everyone in the west gets a little bit of it yeah and i mean, but, I mean it is... look you know like america is in lots of senses more democratic than britain right i mean they have an elected head of state and they have an elected second chamber yeah. don't they Yep. Yes. yes um, 
which neither With of their which own we intrinsic problems, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, neither of which we have or are close to having. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, but but like, let me just quote you one more line from from the William Hague thing because I found it so like indicative of this the, the the current system like reacting, you know, to yet another in a long series of crises by saying, okay, the thing that we need now is like to have the adults back in charge. Um, the greatest lesson here is that increasing the numbers involved in a particular decision is not always the way to create a stronger democracy. So you see what? less people. <laughs> mm. Incredible. <laughs> I'm okay. Gonna, I'm gonna, okay, mate. I'm going to admire this lad's glorious brain. <laughs> You'll have to take the baseball cap off first, but yeah. <laughs> this dude's this dude's brain is too hard boiled for that shit. <laughs> like I do think this is like the current response is we've seen Corbyn, we've seen trust, the most important thing. Like this is what I think the political system response is going to be because they're going to do two things i think like the first is to say you can have the show of democracy you can turn up to 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 vote for your red team or your blue team but what those two teams actually get up to and how they form their decisions and whether or not they produce outcomes that you want you know in in relation to the first part that we were talking about like an economy that is going to hell uh, a privatized everything you know we haven't even talked about climate change but obviously that's like a huge part of it and it's like but the most important thing now is uh, is the um the adults are back in charge right and 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 there's a clear separation being made between the adults, the sensibles in parliament, the leaders, the establishment on the one side, and the rabble, the children outside the gates who must, like, get the occasional wowie pop, but not really be involved in democratic precision, like, processes. And you Probably know, the I, first time uh, parliament's tried to keep children out of, out, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, Starmer is, you know, you can say what you like about Starber, but he was elected qua democratically on a mandate that he then fucked over. But he he has some kind of democratic mandate, at least. I will say as well, it's a very bold choice for you there to tell me that I can say what I like about Starmer. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sunak's got the same fucking coverage. I just posted in our, our group chat uh, the new cover of the latest Economist, which is a picture of reason of Rishi Sunak oh, with yeah. reasons to be cheerful uh, on it, which is like, if nothing else, that's like that's you know Ed Miliband melted. <laughs> posted from uh, from the lead singer of nineteen eighties like indie group The Wolfhounds. Um, <laughs> I know that guy. Um. <laughs> but I mean. It, it is incredible that like we're, we're, we we seem to be once again heading back to like a sort of like seem to be grasping and 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 the the Starmer project is very explicit about it but I think this the Sunak thing is similar they seem to be sort of grasping back to a time where they ha where they're both saying well we want to do nice things but we can't why can't we do nice things well because the guys in the robes in the back of England tell us we can't and the other guys in the robes the the market also tells us that we can't. So and also, now, it's your you know, fault. Yes, yes. Because I'm, I'm wondering how long it's going to take for people, especially with Rishi fucking Sunak in charge, for them to sort of go, well, you had it too good during lockdown. Mm. And then to make that... Find out in two weeks, won't we? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but whether or not that will be an explicit narrative, because I was just, I, I was once again trying to remember the um, eat out to help out thing, and whether or not they'll try to dissociate Sunak from that when they say you've had it too good, you must, mm. you know, y you must make savings, you know, like it, it, it's back up to you essentially. No, I think I think they'll tout that as like that was a really good idea at the time and it was great, and now we've got another really good idea. Have you considered just not eating now? Yeah, but this is this is where I want to come back to like what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's like I don't think I mean we'll we'll see and and they'll they'll try for sure. But like I think I don't know how much blood is left to squeeze out of like the poorest people in UK society. So, but I like I, I think physically, people were saying this like um, in 2015. I mean, I remember an astonishing. Uh, op-ed in um, I think it was the Telegraph or maybe the Times saying is there going to be a middle class revolt because there's nothing left to squeeze from the working classes now and that was what like seven years ago mm -hmm. yeah but uh, again like I, I think some of those cracks were sort of slightly papered over a bit with like the with the free money thing and but, there like, were more could at least... there were more democratic pressure points as well and you know I do I do wonder what's going to happen with the closing of all of them I often think back to uh I think on the Thursday after Grenfell there was um there was a big protest in in London uh which I went to and people were obviously absolutely furious but I think the thing that stopped that turning into a full-on riot was the fact that you know Emma Dent Code had just been elected in Kensington on you know as a sort of fairly radical housing activist as part of an election where Labour on a sort of left ticket had, you know, done very well and looked at that point likely that it would form the next government. Um, mm. And I wonder how, what the response to something like that would be now. And I think something like that is coming again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm slightly surprised something like that hasn't been happening more often, really. Yeah, I mean, this is the phrase that, uh, that a riot is delivering on the protest promise. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I, and that for me, like, I think that's like, if you look at where we're we're, we're heading into, like, a, a a a winter that if it if it turns really cold, will like genuinely start like, either killing people or or discomforting them in 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 to very severe degrees. Uh, you know, the Bank of England, the 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 U.S. Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, all saying, yeah, we are deliberately doing a recession because there's inflation and they fundamentally misunderstand at least to me it's 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 causes but they know its effects and it's just like and i wonder like whether or not like how much of the lower end of the middle classes in the uk they're gonna have to throw under the bus to like keep the system going because like you, you know the the spectacle with with migration and what's been happening this week is is gross and dehumanizing beyond all belief but like you can't once the light starts going out and people start losing their homes because the you know the interest rates on the mortgage ra rises, I I I wonder where, whether or not yeah Juliet like you were saying where because that pressure I do think that there's a material pressure but I wonder where and how that's going to find an outlet because it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, and you know lots of the referendum too. Oh, here comes the Lib Dem battle bus. Yeah, um. I, feel, I feel like um, I feel like all this uh, Albanian criminals shit that is being 
dredged out of the most disgusting ditch in the country uh is been that's been put in the papers and you know joe coburn uh trying to goad um i can't remember some some labor mp into saying that there was an invasion on the southern coast of the, of the country is just trying to lay the groundwork for it's not our fault it's because of all these people coming over on boats and just you know trying to set up more again like i said earlier culture war is cheap um, Do you remember when David Cameron used the word swarm and yeah. everyone lost their fucking minds over that? And now it's like now it's an invasion and we're all like, mm-hmm. And you've just got that guy who counts fucking migrants for a living. Oh, the, 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 yeah, the, the, the fucking the, BBC as well. That BBC as, well yeah. as any of the others, yeah. Simon something, is it? Simon Jones. Yeah. Fucking s- standing, on, standing on the coast of Kent with a little armband on and a fucking set of binoculars. Um, but but I you know but then we they also did this again I, I was briefly reminded sadly of the existence of David Blunkett like they did the same thing in in two, in the two thousands and I I I wonder I don't know like I'm I'm tempted to be pessimistic but like I wonder if like hating migrants and like turning up the dial even more on like trans issues is like going to cut it when people are. When when the lower end of the middle classes start being materially impacted in a way that they haven't been before, I I, I don't you know, I don't know how many how many how many people you, you can impoverish on the one hand and then feed them culture wars in, in, on the other. Like I don't know if you can, I genuinely have no idea how long you can do that for. Well, I guess we'll fucking find out, won't we? Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, but. It, it, so to to briefly uh, but before we close this this bit off um, in in a in a sort of rare and momentary rave of optimism at least what I do think is is interesting um, and sort of indicative that I think that this is a system that is not at all at ease with itself also if you see like the 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 ever increasing powers to the police to stop demonstrations and all that stuff is like I do is the fact that they still keep like kicking the corpse of Jeremy Corbyn's political project. Like, they mm. can't stop. I, I, I think there is, apart from that, I think for some people it's just a reflex, right? After four yeah, years of doing that, they literally... It's muscle I mean, memory. They have, they have to. They are. So, it was the... Like, it is one of the few things that actually threatened... I mean, like, you know, fucking liberals like to talk about how, uh, you know, Brexit was this big disruption. When it's nah, not, not, not in the broad sense of, like, people living their day-to-day lives and, like, the, the elites who actually wield the power... But like Jeremy Corbyn was a threat to all, like to the to what to the people that mattered, so to speak. So, yeah, mm. like of course, of course, they're mortally afraid that someone who represented anything even approaching the fucking demos, demos's will, then yeah. This is it. This is something I've always found really interesting about the response to Corbyn and Corbynism. Right? Was there were two main strands, and one was sort of rebalancing the economy with renationalisation of key industries as like a big part of that. Uh, and the other was democratization, right? Um, and the first one, the renationalization, you know, especially when the 2017 manifesto was leaked, you know, lots of people that we would think of as like policing the left edge of the discourse, you know, at David Miliband, essentially, uh, didn't really mind that. They could sort of imagine how that would operate with their people in charge. Uh, but the idea of just democratizing anything just, you know, scared the hell out of them. And a lot of the most shrieking yeah, responses yeah. to Corbyn were, you know, when he suggested like democratizing the BBC and other parts of the media um, or, you know, I think the sort of 
emblematic media comment from Even one businesses, of businesses, wasn't it? Yeah, just um, businesses. One of the most emblematic media comments from one of my former editors was the phrase, don't encourage them, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. When, you know, yeah, every, yeah. Everyone have, everyone has a novel in them or something. Yeah, exactly. The, the the speech at the Libertines gig where he talks about everyone having a play or a poem or, you know, a song in them or whatever. Um, you know, the democratisation was the thing that really caused the horror. And I think it's not that we're not going to be allowed to move away from the neoliberal model at all. It's just that we're not going to be allowed to do it on terms that they don't set. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. the crucial thing, I think. And I think if you think of everything in British politics over the last five years now, basically being an effort to make sure that nothing like the 2017 election ever happens again, stuff makes a lot more sense. Entire country tries to put toothpaste back in tube. Yes. <laughs> and then pretend yes. toothpaste yeah. never existed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not brushing my teeth now out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I do think that, like, it. There is definitely that that impulse, but I think it it the strength with 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 it, with which it is still done does signal to me that like these people, despite their every last effort to like nail the whole you know nail the door shut, keep everything separated, you know make politics about sad things that they have to do responsibly. You know the Tories will do it with glee and Labour will 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 do it with a you know sad face emoji but they'll do the exact same thing i do think that 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 they i don't they even do think that's true at this point they do fear I'm pretty sure at this, this point label just hides the erection that's the only difference that's what the <laughs> leaf is covering <laughs> and i mean <laughs> but I, matt hancock's lost the whip like, i mean yeah um I don't want to be like overly optimistic anyway on this podcast, and I, although I don't think I've ever been credibly accused of that on this podcast. Is to say, like, I don't think it's necessarily, a matter of degrees. Um, I mean, there's been a bunch of times when you've said we'll get that episode out by Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, on the other hand, I can also see, especially now, like sort of the incipient beginnings of of the same thing but on the right you know like if you can see nigel farage is already doing it right he's just saying oh the globalists have taken over the uh, conservative party and you know like you can you can get this from the right as well this this anti anti response to to everything just being so battened down so like i'm not 100 percent optimistic that that if there is a sort of pressure valve release in a different kind of politics that it needs to necessarily redound to to the left of the spectrum to anything that we would agree with so like i don't know but like it seems everything seems so fucking weird right now and I've, i know I've, I've said it before on on twitter and stuff but like it seems like such a versailles moment at the moment like the, the i don't know maybe maybe juliet maybe i'm wrong but like the the gap between like the 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 government the, the, the government and the government seems larger now than i in the uk than i've seen it in i don't fucking know how long anymore like i can't you know yeah i mean i i do think that's true and i'm really you know the only pressure valve for this to have any expression now is a general election uh and i have a very strong suspicion that you know i mean already like the you know the ludicrous polls that were coming out uh, a few weeks ago when the the trust experiment was you know kind of tanking uh they're starting to sort of shift back to a bit closer to where you'd expect them to be but i get the feeling that the next election is going to be marked a lot by huge apathy 
in sort of yes. suburban yeah. and rural parts of the country and absolute fury in the more politically engaged kind of cities. And it's easy to imagine that, you know, because of the way, um, you know, sort of the left and liberals are sort of both forced to like essentially work through the Labour Party, you can easily imagine Starmer's Labour much more than Sunak's Tories becoming the recipient of that anger in the same way that like Joe Swinson's Liberal Democrats, you know, sponsored by Joe Swinson, uh, became the sort of risk. <laughs> recipient for a lot of anger about austerity when they were trying to put the narrative onto Brexit in 2019. Um, you can easily see that election just kind of blowing up in that way. And again, producing maybe a quite unexpected outcome. But I do I do think it is fun to imagine because we, we, I think it's pretty much common knowledge that campaigning is Corbyn's bread and butter. It was like, it's it's what he does. And like, hence the 2017 election, a part, big part of why the 2017 election got sort of almost turned on its head. But like, the flip side of that being Keir Starmer going out on the campaign trail, oh my God. meeting people, meeting humans <laughs> yeah. with two yeah. hands, two feet, one head, no nukes attached anywhere. Well, well, I, I, I call actual it the Swinson effect. Actual legs. <laughs> yeah, human legs. <laughs> But I, I call it the Swinson effect, you know, and like the Swinson effect yes. is when, 100%. you know, Guardian columnists, like let's let's call them someone like Polly T. No, that's that's too obvious. Um, but you know, there's a certain <laughs> certain type of of kind of mainstream columnist who will just say, look, this is a sensible grown-up politician. This is what everybody wants, and then they go out and meet actual human beings who detest them. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, the Swinson effect is as good a term for any of that. And I think the Swinson effect is going to be very strong in Keir Starmer, but also Rachel Reeves and Lisa Nandy and Wes Streeting oh, and Yvette Cooper. All of them. They're all terrible. <laughs> they're all awful. I, ne- yeah. I don't understand this. There was He did it last week. Wes Streeting was like, the thing that we're going to do, our brave new offer in like, t- terms of social care, is to like give people who are care who are registered carers or whatever a pass for free parking and i'm like that's that's the thick of it that's not that's that's literally a line from the one of the last episodes that 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 they trot out when they really have nothing left to say and they're all about to like be set on fire in 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 an inquiry essentially like it's it's fucking incredible that this is that this is still a going concern like i'm i'm still genuinely baffled by it like that that's and car parks (laughs) Yeah, uh, you know, it's not. It's not. We'll get rid of hospital car park charges. That's too radical. It's like if you're a registered no, you carer, can't you means test that. No, that's true. Whereas that, yeah, no, that, yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. it's it's a fucking cargo cult in an era where there are no planes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, now now that I've hopefully that that we've hopefully made everybody incredibly uh, optimistic for the future, but I do think there is optimism to be had, and I think if you're looking at like what the trade union uh, movement is doing at the moment, like you know that that's probably a really good sign. I I don't know if they'll win. I I just I do know that like it's not going to come from any currently organized major political party you know there are uh, other options are available i know james you'll be listening to this episode so i don't want to you know uh, pretend there's this there's, there's, there's nothing out there um but you know maybe 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 it's in there and maybe it can sort of join up with this sort of pressure valve release that that we've been talking about earlier 
Anyway, uh, to, to wrap this up, I was listening back to a little bit at the, at the end of um, episode 102, uh, which we recorded in October of last year. Um, we sort of started... That that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we started, we called that uh, the start of season three um, because we, we'd all come back from, from a brief holiday and, uh, you know, it was about an eco-yacht. And interestingly, it, we, we read an article where, like, some minister of state was pleading for basically Elon Musk to take over world <laughs> government because they'd run out of ideas. And I think <laughs> it, 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 if anything has changed, I don't think they would ask for that anymore. So, like, I don't think people would say, oh, we need a Mark Zuckerberg or an Elon Musk or, like, we need a, a Steve Jobs to, like, come fix this with technology whiz-bangs. Like, we've even come past that point. So, you know, with that said, I, I think uh, what I'd like to say is welcome to uh, Podcasting This Practices Season 4. I don't, I don't really have a title for, for, for this yet, but... We're somehow you know, grittier and darker and even more full of whimsy than we were before. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> we've, re- we've replaced Superman with that dipshit from Moonfall. And also, we are inexplicably three hours long for some reason. <laughs> uh yeah so maybe like now is the winter of our discontent or something i, I I'm, I'm just spitballing here but you know i think last year when we said the protagonist of history was the the poster but i'm not sure if that's going to hold up anymore under the new reigns of twitter the so. webmaster <laughs> uh, so yeah uh if the last protagonist of history was the poster, maybe it still is, but maybe you should just like join a union if you haven't and join Acorn if you haven't and like, you know, try to manufacture some kind of society in the, it, when it gets really fucking well, cold outside. Liz Trust said it was the podcaster, but she's dead now, so I don't know what to think. Um. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we can all still be members of the anti-growth uh, coalition. <laughs> God, those heady days. <laughs> uh, anyway, to to round out uh, round out this episode, uh, we haven't done it in a while, but I thought uh, Juliet, you're here, and you know, it's everybody's got to experience it sometime. Shall we play a brief round of comment or commentary? At? I would absolutely love to, Rob. Um... <laughs> all right, uh, round one. It's basically for the for the metaphor uh, this one because I just love it. How, um, however, too many immigrants have not integrated, leading to ethnic, religious, and cultural divisions that blight our cities and towns. These divisions make Britain look more like a salad bowl than a melting pot. Jesus. <laughs> uh, I mean, before that last sentence, I'd have said nailed on commentariat. Uh, so I'm going to say commentariat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it would be libelous to say which commentariat I think so I won't <laughs> yeah commentariat I mean the, whoever wrote that is so proud of themselves but like who cares if Britain looks I mean like you, you don't look at a salad and go Jesus that's fucking disgusting why is that not all like blended into a homogenous paste <laughs> it's not the point of a salad like <laughs> Yeah, commentary out. Let's go. Uh, You are correct. It is Joe Barron writing for Conservative Woman. Oh, my God. I'm going to take that fucking website off you. (laughs) (laughs) You will cry out of my cold dead hands. (laughs) Sneak into your Swiss castle and install, like, uh, parental blocking software on your fucking PC. (laughs) 
Uh, all right, let's let's return to more familiar affair, baby. If today's youth were landed on Normandy beaches in 1945, oh, oh, fucking Christ on fire! Grow up. <laughs> this is commentary. Yeah, it is. It is questionable just how much use they would be. Their first job would be calling employment lawyers to sue for distress and emotional turmoil. Oh, that's Richard Littlejohn in the Daily Mail, I reckon. It's, some, it's someone that needs to get better opinions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, no, it's uh, Keir Starmer's favourite interviewer. It's Nick Ferrari writing for the Express. Oh, oh right. Imagine dropping that cunt on Normandy Beach. <laughs> <laughs> no way of knowing without a controlled experiment. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I think every time some every time some journalist writes about like oh you dropped today's kids on Normandy Beach they should have to fight today's kids on Normandy Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather fight a hundred Nick Ferrari sized kids or like? Uh, round three. Both Sunak and Truss have been a considerable improvement on Johnson. At least they oh, shall be. Commentary. Yeah. Commentary. Either commentary or like Mike Galsworthy on Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to say the Telegraph trying to um, repair its reputation. Uh, I, no, I it's a comment more. in The Guardian. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to be fair the rest the, the the rest of it was with johnson we were forced to experience the, the the disaster with him in full view front and center gurning inanely talking gibberish and incessantly sowing his lies uh, do, do you know what it really fucks me off is when we talk about the mannerisms of the politician which basically don't fucking matter it's the fucking policies that they do like, yeah but oh. alistair we were we we had to pay attention don't want to pay attention. I'm comfortable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, this this is this is the crux of it, really, isn't it? We've been we've had what we had like four years of uh, the media having and like dinner party circles having to pay attention to politics because of certain elements in on the left. And now that we've uh, finally managed to bridge the left, the issues with the left and the issues with the right with Reed Johnson. We can now go back to just not caring about how the proles are living their lives. Yeah. Cool. The thing with Johnson was he was like, he, he was considered to be doing a good job by the people who kept him in power. And that really infuriated all the people who blamed him for Brexit. Whereas with Truss, like the entire world was pointing and laughing. So it was okay to point and laugh at her. You know? Yeah. Because she was, she was clearly doomed. She was like going down in, her plane had one wing from the start, you know? <laughs> and uh, whereas with Johnson, he was still he was staying in the job, and that was embarrassing. Whereas Truss, it was like, well, yeah, she's shit, and she's like an embarrassment. But everyone in the nation realizes that, so it's okay. Like yeah. the system works because like Truss only kept the job for like four weeks or whatever. Mm. <laughs> uh, all right, round four. But then again, Tom Watson's labor. Which, as long as you're on the left, means never having to say you're sorry for anything, however heinous, because it's accepted <laughs> without question that you're fundamentally a good person. Now, wait wait for the kicker. Is this, is this <laughs> Tom Watson? <laughs> no, no, wait for the kicker. 
Not so if you have the misfortune to be a Tory. Witness how the pack is hunting <laughs> down Home Secretary Suella Braverman. I mean, I'm sorry, you know literally nothing of, uh, and I use this word advisedly, left politics if you don't understand that how internecine beef is like bread and butter. Like, I wake up every day hating David for the fucking eggs in the microwave shit, and they don't understand that whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how much... How much attention are you fucking paying if you think, like, the Labour left are all united in one happy church under Tom fucking Watson? Like, (laughs) (laughs) literally, like, one of the, like, two remaining, like, vaguely left commentators in British politics got sacked from the fucking Guardian for criticising Tom Watson, like... This is this is beyond a child's understanding of politics. This might actually be like a puppet from children's television. So it's going to have to so be commentary. Is, is it Matt no, Ford? Is it unheard? Matt Ford's? Yeah. <laughs> is it the Badger from Bodger and Badger? <laughs> like, writing in the Times. So if it's if it's like sort of beyond and also beneath a child's understanding of politics, it is commentary. There's only yes, but there's only a few uh, people who Brinton fit O'Neill. that. No. Uh, I'm going to say. Can I can I narrow it down to unheard? Is it in unheard? No, it is. It is in a. Is it, a, is it a Bastani again? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Richard Littlejohn writing in the mail. Oh, I I got the right <laughs> columnist, but just for the wrong column. Yeah. <laughs> now this God. is something. The the last round is something I had honestly not seen in like commentariat circles in 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 or. or internet writing in like a long time so it's commentary um, out them maybe maybe it's a head fake um yes they <laughs> commentary uh, yes they did call me darling and love and i it did occasionally get a little bit too much of a whiff of their beery breath but i knew how to look after myself and besides their bark was much worse than their bite truth is without them and their weaknesses for a young thing in a short skirt i'd probably still be working as a sales assistant it was as far as i was concerned a very good trade-off is this sexism is good actually mm-hmm. is this what is happening right now okay um i Fuck, reckon that's I comment know. yeah i'm gonna go with comment for that one I'm going to say commentary because Rob gave it away at the start. (laughs) (laughs) Alistair? I feel feel like I need to try and guess who said said it where. Mm. (laughs) That's not not the game. (laughs) (laughs) Is this Alison Pearson in the Uh, Telegraph? No, it's the other one. Uh, It is male. No, it's Sarah. Uh, it's Sarah Vine in the Daily Mail. Oh right! Oh my God! Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you know, uh, yeah, Riley... Elon Musk's trying to bring her back. <laughs> 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 if only she were only ten seconds long. Yeah. yeah. This, this, by the way, is uh, this, by the way, is part of an an article about um, Meghan Markle, of course, because oh, for fuck's sake! Um, why, why, would it, why would it not be? Obviously. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I think that will do us for yet another episode of Podcasting is Praxis. Uh, Juliet, thank you so very much for agreeing to come on on this uh, this happy recording with uh, with happy analysis. Is there oh, anything you want pleasure. to plug? Uh, um, at the is there anything I want to plug? I mean, 
I've written some books, like buy those. Um, there's one called Variations, collection of short stories. That's my favorite of them. Yeah, read that. Otherwise, no. <laughs> there's some nice Don't articles the in the Guardians that you've written. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a while ago now. Um, yeah, read, yeah, read the Guardian in incognito mode. Yeah, stick in <laughs> or ideally, and like, check those articles out. <laughs> or ideally from like a Tor browser or something. <laughs> no, just re- read it in your regular browser and laugh as it counts how many articles you've not paid them for at the bottom. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And once, we, once we take control of The Apprentice, that shit's going to be right out. Um... <laughs> Anyway, uh, so for us, um, please, David, can you do the plugs? Because otherwise I'm going <laughs> to fuck it up right at the yeah, end. Yeah, all right. You can join us on the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash PraxisCast. It is £5 a month. You'll get an extra episode. We're going to up that soon. You also get Discord access. You can follow us on Twitter, which is at PraxisCast, and our ads will be in the show notes. You should also check us out on Twitch. That's twitch.tv forward slash PraxisCast. We stream on Wednesdays sometimes and Thursdays sometimes. Uh, check the Twitter aforementioned and you'll find out whether or not we're actually going to be live. Yeah, usually um, about five minutes before we are. Yeah, usually, yeah. yeah. So you do get warning. You can't be Look, told that you were there's no need. There's no need to subtweet me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, so the lesson then, is if you yeah, want to follow to us the... on Twitch never log off mm. <laughs> yeah and uh, you can buy merch at uh, practicecast.tmill.com as well we should go there to get merch and yeah that that's us that'll do is I will probably be back proper um, in the next couple of weeks please and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> we'll see you later alright yeah, bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Cheers, Take everyone. Cheer up. Bye.